Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Builders, for, for giving and sharing and sacrificing. Why? So we can have a Decatur Dream Center. So we can see lives change. You know, everyone talks about the problems. It's easy to find a problem, but it's godly to find a solution. And in our culture today, uh, opioid addiction and overdose is, is, is pandemic. Uh, uh, human trafficking is, is, is uh, unbelievably invasive. I read this week uh, uh, another young lady rescued right here in Huntsville from that. Uh, and so when we have a women's recovery ministry, I want to tell you something. God has given us an answer, giving us an answer to some of the deepest problems tearing our culture apart. And I want to thank you for your giving. Uh, Kingdom Builders, uh, we know we've been praying and wanting to help uh, in, in uh, Tennessee with the tornadoes that came through. Again, one of our partners, we're not their sole supporter. It's a multi-millions of dollars thing they do every year. But one of our partners we work with in Kingdom Builders is Convoy of Hope. And you can't go anywhere in a disaster without hearing that name. First people on site. Thank you, Kingdom Builders. As we're giving proactively and regularly, we're not having now to wait until a problem happens, you know, a tornado, and then we give an offering, then they get, we're right there. So aren't you thankful for what God is doing? We're getting ready. You know, Alyssa, uh, Kingdom Builders, uh, texted us. Uh, I can't remember today, Sunday. I know that. I don't know if it's Friday or Saturday. She texted, filled us and said, I have arrived safely in Indonesia. And so here we are with the Dream Center locally. Here we are with Convoy of Hope. Here we are sending out our brightest and our best as missions. And you know what? It takes a family to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Let's thank God for Kingdom Builders today. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Just exciting. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I can't wait to share this message with you today. Uh, I know there were a lot of, of announcements right there at the end. Please remember as you exit today, you'll see the Kairos uh, ministry table. Several men in our church are involved in the Kairos prison ministry. I'd love for you to find out more about that, how you could help. They've got one of their big outreaches coming up uh, right here at the Limestone uh, Prison. And uh, one of the things they do with the guys that's so appreciated is they bring in homemade cookies. And so uh, you say, what can I do to help? Well, you can make cookies. And uh, check with them going out. Vern and, and Anthony would be glad to tell you about that, prayer, many other things. And so I encourage you to, 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 take, to check that out. So we're in a series. It's kind of, we're in a series and a sub-series. Uh, when you pray, and as we've been studying this and looking at this, this foundation principle of prayer, not just the typical little, you know, religious activity, but what does it really mean to pray? It's been dynamic and life-changing. And as we've gone into this, we've, we've just kind of, like I said, had a subset that God is saying something to his church today. There's terminology that helps us understand and get a picture of, of what God is doing. Uh, how prayer and worship is literally building a dwelling place for God's spirit. We, through our prayer, our, our corporate joint intentional prayer, are beginning to see a bigger picture. Uh, the Old Testament uh, prophecy, Amos 9-11, said that God would restore David's tabernacle. Of all the things God said he wanted to pull out of the old covenant and restore in this time was a place where his presence dwelt, but there were no walls around it. Can you say amen to that? It was a place where God's glory dwelt, but everyone had access to it. 
And so we're seeing that. Jesus used the terminology, a house of prayer. And I believe that's God speaking to us. I pray that we're hearing, that we're understanding, that we're seeing something that, that is dynamic and, and something God's saying and wanting us to do. I want to go back, and I've read this verse several times, these verses in Ephesians 2, verse 19. Uh, I shared something about this Wednesday night, but I, I, and I know I did. Uh, on Wednesday night, we are taking the next step from what you hear on Sundays, and we're having some incredible prayer and worship time. Wednesday night, on a Wednesday night, let me tell you what happened. There was such a move of the Holy Spirit as we're building this house of prayer, this dwelling place. We had five people get saved Wednesday night. Come on, thank God for that. Five people, Wednesday night, drawn into the presence of God through prayer and worship. It was just absolutely amazing. I hope you'll be a part of that. But I want to, again, with the the chance of being repetitive, redundant, I want to share something with us today. I don't want you to miss this. That we used, we looked at a little bit Wednesday night. So let's go to Ephesians two and verse, verses nineteen through twenty-two. As, as we're talking about building this dwelling place for God, a place established and built by prayer, praise, and worship. All right, verse nineteen. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Now, I want you to to look at some terms here. That, that, again, I shared Wednesday, I felt prompted to make sure everyone is in on this. There, there are a couple of terms here that we hear uh, today. It's part of a big topic. And uh, they carry a negative connotation. So I want you to understand something. And I want you to see what God is doing in your life. This is all about coming into the presence of God. It's all about creating a place where everyone can encounter Him. And God can do miraculous things. But, it's, but, but what this is telling us, this word I want you to see and I want you to hear is the word access. I want you to say that again. Say access with me. Access. Do you know what's happening in, in, in our uh, media-driven culture today? There was a time when uh, people went to seminars and conferences for the sake of content. Business seminars, leadership seminars. Uh, large groupings of people, men like John Maxwell and others teaching not only to the church but in the marketplace. And people were after content. Stay with me here. Content is what drove these seminars and conferences. But because of the Internet today, we have content everywhere. We have access to content. We have free content. We, we, we can access content 24-7. Am I right? Content is, the, is very available. So let me tell you what the new thing is. In the corporate America, in the marketplace, uh, the things that people are paying money to encounter, listen, it's not content, it's access. What, what your business, what you're, what you're dealing with, what you're training, what people want, what, what pastors want, what leadership want is access. What does that mean? Well, people today will pay three times a conference fee that they would normally pay to get content to get to go in a smaller grouping of people and have access. What people would rather do is go sit down at a round table and access. Access the person that wrote the content. Access the thinking behind the content. And so what's happening in our culture, there's been a big paradigm shift that people are moving from content to access. This is what this is all about. I want you to see this. The very thing that, that, that people are dying to be a part of, you and I have access. But I want you to see these two levels. 
that are happening here, all right? So look at this verse with me again. We see access. Ephesians 2, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. So what is he saying? Foreigners and aliens. Now, isn't that term, those are two terms that are hot buttons in, in political debate and and what have you today. Now, let me, let, me, let me say something to you again, even in a very heavily debated and hot topic political year. If you'll notice, I don't preach politics at this church because those are man-made organizations and systems. What you need to hear when you come in this place and what I always promise you you'll hear from this pulpit in this place is you're going to hear the Word of God. And we're going to stay on a higher level. We're going to preach kingdom culture here. Can everybody say amen? We're going to preach eternal truths that change your life, that help you make good decisions about politics, marriage, life, and anything else you're dealing with in the marketplace. So what I want you to see, that term foreigner or alien has a negative concept. Of course it does. Why? Because what you're saying is, I want to be, I, I've had the blessing in my life representing Christ, His kingdom, and His church to, to travel in, in, in over 30, almost 40 countries. And I know what it's like to be at home in America, in Alabama. How many like it when you're home? Come on. I like it when, when you know, when, uh, when, when I can talk, speak the language. It's good. It's nice to speak the language. It's nice to know the culture. Anybody with me? It's nice to have access and freedom and citizenship and know where I belong. See, I can go somewhere and, and you know, it's kind of spreading. But, but they used to, I could go in places in America and they didn't even know what sweet tea was. You didn't know what sweet tea was. I've been in New York City at dinner time. I'm at dinner. I'm drinking dinner. Order my dinner. Have my meal. Said, what do you want to drink? I said, I'll have tea. And they brought me a cup of hot tea. I said, what's wrong with you? What do you mean bring me a cup of hot tea? I want tea. They said, what do you mean? We don't have that here. And, and, and I've been in New Jersey. And uh, I said, tell mama and them hello. They didn't even know what I was talking about. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, who's mom and them? Mom and them? Is that mom, M and M? Is it, who is that? You understand. You know, we, so I love to be at home. Don't you love to be at home? But I've been in other countries where I can't speak the language. I got to work through an interpreter and have to work through things. I don't know the customs. I'm always asking questions. And I ask them, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? It, it's, it's, it's not as easy. And, and uh, they, they serve me foods that are odd. I've had things you don't even, I claim Mark 16, if you drink any poison or eat anything, it shall not harm you. If I touch any deadly thing. And so, listen, I've been served monkey knuckle soup. Yeah, monkey knuckle soup. What's monkey knuckle soup? Just what it sounds like. Monkey knuckles floating in the soup. I've had quail egg soup, and the eggs weren't cooked. I've had... Uh, in Thailand, one of their delicacies, they catch little tree fall frogs alive and just pin them on the bamboo and just let them dry out. It's kind of like Thai french fries. I didn't eat that, honey, I promise you. I faked it till I made it. You understand what I'm saying? I've eaten with a banana leaf for my plate and my fingers were my fork. You understand what I'm saying? And the whole time I'm going, Jesus, Jesus. I love, and, and, and so, okay. So anyway, I like to be home. I love home. I love place. But, and, and, uh, but here's what I want you to see. The term, and I'm taking too much time. The term foreigner and alien means you don't have access. It means you don't have rights in that place. You understand that? It means that you're not a citizen. You don't have rights. You don't have access. You can't access the things that other people access. 
you can't go where those other people can go. And so how many are thankful? I want you to look at this. Now that you're a believer, you're no longer a foreigner or an alien, but you have access. Someone say access. But see, it gets any better, even better, because he says not only do you have status in an authoritative sense, in a sense of, of, of politics or status, but look at this. He says not only are you a fellow citizen, you are now a member of God's household. Come on, say amen to that. So that's a whole nother level, a member of the household. That means that that's where you live. That's where you belong. You walk in the front door. See, when I come home, I don't knock on the door. I just open the door and go in. Anybody understand what I'm saying? If I come to my house and it's locked, I, I, I got a key in my pocket that'll open that door. And I don't have to call anybody, tell anybody I'm coming, knock on the door. It's my house. I'm a family member. I can go right in. Isn't it a blessing? I can go in and I can uh, walk right to the refrigerator, open the door and eat the food in there. Come on. I don't have to ask anybody, can I have some? I can go over there in the pantry and look what I want to look. If somebody's opened up, the, if they have it even up to open up the Girl Scout cookies, I can go in and open up the package and eat a Girl Scout cookie because it's my house and it's my food and I'm a member of the household and I belong. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And my little grandchildren that come in, they think they own my house because they're a member of what? The household. And they come in and come right and sit in my lap and look in my face and eat my last Girl Scout cookie while they're smiling at me the whole time. And they think all is well. Why? Because they're a member of the household. They drink my last cup of milk. They eat my last cookie. They walk through my house and put crumbs on my new floor while they're eating my last Girl Scout cookie and think it is the best thing that ever happened. Why? They're a member of my household. And I've told them, what's mine is yours. It's you have access. You understand that? It's amazing. It's amazing. There are privileges and freedoms that come with being a member of the family that nobody else has. How many are thankful? You not only have status before God, you have family before God. You've come right in. What he has is yours. Where he lives, he wants you to live. I didn't make my family live in the backyard. They lived in the house with me. They're in my house. They're members. Anybody understand? So, so we have to keep going. But let's go down to verse 21. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises. See this ongoing thing. Rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22. And in him, you too. Say, me too. In him, you too are being built. How? To, together. We cannot, listen closely to me, have the full manifestation of the house of prayer, of the tabernacle of David, of this place where God dwells by His Spirit and everyone is welcome unless we do it together. Do you understand that? This isn't a solo thing. It's a together thing. I want you to tell the person next to you, you belong. Come on, tell them. You belong. Tell them that and mean it. You belong. Being built together. And what happens when we do this? To become a what? A, a dwelling. A habitation, a place where God lives. Look at this. In which God lives by his spirit. My goodness. All right. I must move on. I want to illustrate this. Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings 4. I want you to go there with me. We've kind of uh, skirted around this, but we're going to look at it today. Second Kings chapter 4 and verse number 8. Second Kings 4, 8. Here, here we have an illustration of everything we're learning or teaching about how to host the presence of God. 
how to create, build, uh, join together, and create a place, a dwelling. Again, church family, it's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. It's, a, it's a, an atmosphere, an entity that is rising as God's people get together and pray. As we intentionally say, God, we want more of your presence. Anybody want more of God in your life? As we begin to say, I'm going to move out of this Sunday only thing. And I want to listen, listen to this term. I want to live in the presence of God. Don't you want to live in the presence of God? I want to live in the presence of God. Do you know God's not afraid to, to go to work with you? You know that? You know God's not. You say, well, somebody cusses at work. You don't think God ever heard cuss words? I know that shocks some of you. Do you think those old nasty people that cuss at work, you think the Holy Spirit goes, oh. Do you know that sometimes we miss this because we've read that the Holy Spirit comes like a dove? I'm going to help somebody with something today. You're going to miss it. That he comes like a dove. It said like a dove. It said it rested on him like a dove. I'm going to, I'm going to blow some of your stuff right here, okay? It said it rested on him like a dove. That's how it came upon him. Listen to me. And, and we have to honor and host and welcome the presence of God. That's everything I'm teaching you. But I want to help you with something. The Holy Spirit is not afraid. Nor is he fragile. Nor is he looking for a reason to get out of your life. I want to help you with something. The church is almost taught that if any one little thing goes wrong, Holy Spirit, oh, he's gone. Now, we can grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit. Those are conditions of our heart. But I want to talk about where you go, he's going to go with you. And he's bigger than anything that's there. Are you understanding me? I've heard people say, well, the church is not 100% unity. God can't move. You think God's going to let one old crank keep him from sending a revival? I just think he's bigger than that. I think he's greater than that. Oh, we're not in 100% unity. God can't move. I don't believe that. I believe that if you've got 120 people praying in a room in a city of thousands, God will run in that city and tear that thing upside down. I believe he's the kind of God where Abram's praying with God over Sodom and Gomorrah and they got down to 10 people and God said, if there's 10 people in the whole place, I'm not going to destroy this city. I'm going to tell you, God's not afraid of anything that's facing you and the Holy Spirit is not going to run away just because somebody acted bad around you. And you may have heathens in your home and if you're in that home, God's in that home. If you've got to face it, God's going to face it. Work may be tough, but God's tougher. We serve the God who is the called the Lord of hosts, the God of angel army, the spirit of almighty God. So somebody needed to hear that today. The Holy Spirit's not afraid to face the nitty gritty with you and go in life where it really happens. So here we are. I got to hurry. In 2 Kings 4, and we have an illustration of what it's like for the church to say, God, we want to build a house for you. What happens when we do that? There's some amazing things that begin to take place. We want to learn how to do this. So watch this. Verse 8 of of 2 Kings 4. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. Okay? Elisha, you know, is a mighty prophet of God. He he represents the presence of God in this account. Okay? So here, the presence of God. Elisha came to Shunem. I, I, digging in and studying, it's amazing what happens when you get when you dig in. How many when you start digging for gold in the word? Listen to this. Listen to this. So, so Elisha, what did, what did he have? He followed Elijah. Remember that? 
account. And, and Elisha said, this is what I want from you. I want a what? Anybody want? What did Elisha ask for? He wanted a double portion of the anointing on Elijah. Wow. So he, and even Elijah said, that's not going to be easy. But Elisha said, I want a double portion. Watch what happens when you get hungry for God. Anybody with me right now? So Elisha said, I want a double portion. Now, I was just studying this, and I thought, let me look at this, this word shunem and, and, and where that is and what it's in the Bible and what does shunem mean. Now, get this. Shunem in Hebrew means, listen to this, a place of double rest. Oh. So here comes the double portion Walking to the place of double rest. (laughs) So watch this. (laughs) How many want more of God in your life? All right. If we create a resting place for God, come on. Not just to get along. Not just a Sunday, God. I'm going to pass through. You know, some of us would be happy to to, to do drive, to do uh, uh, fast food church. I mean, you'd be, you know, you, you want a drive through window right here. And just swing in on Sunday morning. I'll order two blessings and a side of uh, favor. Uh, come by the drive through window. Yes. Drive on. Huh? And, 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 and we think, well, that's good. But, but, then, but then God is not just looking for drive-by blessings. Huh? He, he's wanting you to do more in your life. Somebody that begins to say, come on, listen to me. I, I'm, I'm growing in my faith. I'm growing in my what? Relationship. Say relationship. In my relationship. So, so I don't want, I'm not just interested in what I can grab. I think I want to park this time. I think I want to go in and sit down this time. I think I want to come in the presence of God. And so Shuna means a place of double rest. If, if, if we want a double portion, we're going to have to slow down and give God some time. So, and, and can I tell you that when you're living in the house of God, where the double portion of God happening, God's going to bring rest in your life. Look at Philippians 4. I've got to jump over to this and let you see this right in the middle of this. Can you guys get it up fast? I'm going to go back and forth today from 2 Kings to these other scriptures I gave you. So look at this. Come on. How many want double rest in this season we're living in? Can I tell you, you better learn how to live in the house of God in this world we're facing. Watch this. Do not be anxious about anything. Come on. Anybody ever been anxious? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. How do we... So why would God say don't do something if it was impossible to do it? God says you don't have to live in anxiety and stress. How many thank God for that? So how does that happen? Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by what? Prayer. There we go. House of prayer. And petition with what? Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. All right. So now, see, see, I'm dwelling in the house of God. I'm living in the presence of God. God, here's my need. I, I could be anxious, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank you. And then the next verse says, this is what begins to happen when you do that. See, there's a double resting and the peace of God. Come on. Which transcends, passes, goes beyond all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In the house of God, you have the peace of God. You have something you do not have in the world. We can live in fear, anxiety, and stress. Or we can say, come on, Holy Spirit, live with me. I want to dwell in the presence of God. Come on, i got to hurry. Let's look at this. And so, verse 8, one day Elisha went to Shunem, the place of double rest, and a well-to-do woman was there. Now, let, let, let me help you. The King James doesn't say a well-to-do woman woman it says a great woman a great woman ladies look at me right now look at me in the face ladies are you looking at me looking at me you don't have to join a movement 
for God to let you know what a great woman that you are. You know what the Bible says? She was a great woman. You don't have to have money to be a great woman. Anybody listening to me right now? You don't have to have a big house to be a great woman. The word is honorable. Do you know that there's never been anything in the history of mankind that has raised the standard and the honor of women like the word of God? When nobody was honoring women, the word of God says there's neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek. When culture called woman property, God called her the, good, the, the righteousness of God in Christ. When culture said you can't say a word, God said you can prophesy. Ladies, there is nothing that has ever ever elevated your honor, your dignity, your personhood, your self-worth like the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, God's looking for great women in this day. He's looking for women who aren't going to listen to what the world says, but you're going to know who you are in Christ. Come on, anybody with me? So he comes in and, 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 and there, was a, there, there was a great woman. And watch this, watch this. What made her great? She urged him to stay for a meal. She said, look, I don't want the presence of God to come through my town. I want the presence of God to come to my house. She said, I urge you. See, there was a hunger. This lady said, I want more of the presence of God. So when the prophet came through, she said, anytime you come through this town to shoot him, you come to my house and I'm going to feed you. See, there was hunger. Everybody with me? There's relationship. So watch. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. Then, then verse 9, she said to her husband, and I don't have time today. No, I don't have time to get in there. How ladies set you up. But anyhow, the wisdom of women. Can I tell you guys, listen, let, let me help you. Can I help all the men here? She's way ahead of you right now. She's way ahead of you right now. Just, you understand that? You're, you're, you're looking at today, she's already got next month over here. She's already taking you somewhere. You just need to marry a good godly woman and relax. How many with me? She's she way out there. See, she said, let's bring him over for dinner. That was working well. So she says, you know, honey... Hasn't this been pleasant to have the man of God? I was just thinking, up on the roof, we got room. See, she was already going. But the point is, see, she was already entertaining the presence of God. But her hunger was growing. She said, I'm not satisfied with a visit. I'm not going to be content to have religion. I want relationship. It's not going to be enough to me to go to church on Sunday and the rest of the week I act like nothing ever happened in my life. I'm not content to go live off of somebody else's sermon, message, worship, praise. I have to carry this in my life. So she said, you know, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Verse 10, let's make a small room on the roof. See, there comes a time in your life, we sang it today, where you said, God, I thank you for what I have, but I'm going to intentionally, on purpose, take some time, energy, and effort, anybody with me, and I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to create a place for you to come. So she said, let's make a small room on the roof and put in a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he can what? What? I loved it. Then he can stay. 
He can stay. Come on. If we make a room, God will stay. If we will understand what God is saying, then we don't have to visit the presence of God. We live in the presence of God. When you walk into work, you walk in the presence of God. In your neighborhood, in the presence of God. It, it's, it's not some hard, have-to, ugly duty. It's the privilege of walking in the presence of God in your life. So she said, let, let, let's just do this. So, okay, so, so we see what's being established here, what God is doing. That's why we're working on our 24-7 prayer chain. Are you getting ready to sign up? It's about time. You getting ready to sign up? You going to sign up? Jesus, help me. I'm going to ask over here. You getting ready to take an hour a week? Come on, let me hear you. Yeah, yeah, yes, I know, I know we are. So watch, 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 watch. Verse 11, one day when Elisha came, see what happened. Now, now we're going to begin to see what happens in the presence of God. What happens now when you're making room, creating space, saying, I'm not content with a visit. I want to live in the presence of God. Everybody with me? When you're 12 years old, when you're 15 years old, when you're 25 years old, see, you're dwelling in the presence of God. It's such a blessing. So you said, you know, let me ask you a question. When you begin to live in the presence of God, it helps you make great decisions. See, if, this, if you're single and this person asks you out on a date and on that date, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not conducive to, the, to the, the dwelling of God. Well, you know, leave that loser alone. That's not going to work. So if you're, it doesn't mean that every day you've got to speak in tongues for three hours and you can't. I'm, I'm just talking about your activities, your conversation, where you go. You're in the presence of God. You're enjoying his blessing and his favor. His goodness is on your life. See, if there are conversations you're having in your marriage that, that aren't conducive to welcoming the presence of God, quit having them. Say, I'm sorry. Forgive each other. Get over yourself. Welcome the presence of God into that situation. Everybody with me? Well, they're, oh, oh, they're going to win the argument. Well, maybe you're going to win the war. <laughs> All right. So watch. What happens in the presence of God? One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, I call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said, uh, Elisha said to him, tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for me, for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Well, what can be done for her? Elisha asked. Well, Gehazi said, well, she has no son, and her husband's old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her. She stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you're going to hold a son in your arms. No, my lord. She objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha told her. Can I tell you what begins to happen when people, families, churches begin to build the house of God, the presence of God, the house of prayer and praise? You know what begins to happen? Listen, are you ready? God begins to answer prayers you haven't even asked him yet. Are you with me? Things begin to shift into another level. Instead of me running in every once in a while and handling all my problems, and then when I get in trouble, I come over and ask God to bail me out, God begins to answer prayers you haven't asked yet. God begins to do things that you haven't even dared to say. God begins to initiate this. You understand what I'm saying? It's not you telling God what you need. It's God telling you what he's going to do. Look at Ephesians 3.20. I call this an Ephesians 3.20 prayer. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. What begins to happen? Ephesians 3.20. Not 2.20, 3.20. I, I may have messed you up. Go find 3.20 and come back. All right, good. So what happened? God begins to answer a prayer 
that you haven't prayed. God begins to do something that you haven't even thought of yourself. Is anybody here what I'm saying? You begin to live in another place where God's not waiting on you to run your life. God is in control now. And God's saying, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make a way over here. I'm going to do something you haven't seen or encountered or acted on yet in your life. And, and what that does to what begins to translate this is God begins to look. Here it is. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or you haven't even imagined it yet. I want to tell you something. God is going to bring answers to prayers you haven't even dared to dream about yet. How many are thankful for that today? He's out ahead of you. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Let me tell you something else that happens. Not only does God answer prayers you haven't even prayed. Listen to this. God answers prayers you've given up on. The things you just walked off from and left. God says, hey, I haven't forgotten about that. I still know about that. See, this woman probably wanted a child, wouldn't you think? But she married a man, and he'd gotten old, and they'd never had a child. And what happened to her? She said, oh, don't raise my hopes, man of God. You know, sure, I wanted to have a child. Of course, I wanted to be a mother. Of course, I wanted to make that happen. But I don't even pray about that anymore. Come on, anybody with me right now? I don't even think about that anymore. I gave up on that a long time ago. And you know what happens in the house of God? God says, hey. I have never forgotten a prayer you've ever prayed. I've never let go of one thing you've ever done. I didn't have to have somebody remind me. You didn't have to tell me. I just wanted you to know. You know that prayer you gave up on? You know that miracle you thought would never happen? You know this thing you said nobody can do? Next year, God's going to have it in his arms. You're going to see it happen. Why? You're dwelling in the presence of God. Have mercy. But life happens. But life happens, even to the best of people. All right. Verse 18. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, this is what we always do. What do you do? Carry him to his mother. Okay. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and he died. He died. He died. How could it happen to a woman who is living in the presence of God? Somehow think that we have left the idea that if you go to church and you do just right, you got me? And your faith is enough. You know, and you, you hold your jaw right, and you, you get everything right. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. Tell the truth. But here it is. Here it is. He died. What did she do? What did she do? Verse 21. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. <clears throat> What did she do in her chaos? What did she do in her storm? Anybody with me ever had a storm? What did she do when life kicked her in the teeth? Knocked her on her face? Not God, life. 
What did she do when life wasn't fair? What did she do when the dream died? What did she do in the worst day of her life? She picked up that dead dream. And she walked right back in to the presence of God. And laid him on the bed in the room that she had built for the presence of God in her life. And shut the door. She went out. Anybody with me? You always have a choice. I always have a choice. But you see, you got to get this. What she had been learning in the presence of God, what she had been developing in the presence of God was preparing her for a moment that was unspeakable and unthinkable. I have to ask you a question today. What do you know about the presence of God? What do you know when life turns you upside down and blows you in a thousand directions? You better know where the presence of God is. You better know what to do when you don't know what to do. It was the presence of God that had prepared her for that moment. You have a choice. I have a choice. She laid that boy on the bed in the room. Verse 22, she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Oh, she could think about the presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. Anybody with me? Why go to him today? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. See, I heard, I'm sure her husband was a good man, but he still just had visitation rights with God. See, he just went on Sunday in a new moon. He just went on the Sabbath. He just went on Christmas and Easter. But little mama had built a room on the roof, and she had been living in the presence of God. And when hell broke loose, she ran to heaven. When hell broke loose, She didn't fellowship with hell because she knew what heaven was like. Mm. And then she had the utter audacity to answer that man, say, it's all right. It's all right. I like the King James says, it is well. (laughs) And the Amplified Translation says, it will be all right. (laughs) It will be all right. So, so, so uh, she sat on the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to the servant, Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? And she said, everything's all right. Now, she wasn't lying. <laughs> she wasn't in denial. But what she was saying is that I don't like it. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I don't understand it. But my boy is laying in the room of the presence of God. And I have run to meet you. And I'm going to say it's going to be all right. In fact, put that up there on the screen just for a minute. I want you to see this. It's all right. It'll be all right. Can you put it up there for me? It'll be all right. I want you to say that out loud right now. Say, it will be all right. Come on, say it again. It will be all right. I didn't say it was. I didn't say it is. But I said it will be. It will be. It will be all right. It'll be all right. 
It'll be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Why? Because God is who he says he is. And God can't lie. And I'm living in the presence of God. It will be all right. My kids aren't saved yet. But it'll be all right. My family's being torn apart. But it'll be all right. I got a pink slip at work. But it'll be all right. Somebody got the coronavirus. But it'll be all right at my house. It will be all right. Why? Because I'm in the presence of God. Sit down for one more minute. Just sit down for one more minute. My God. So the man of God came. And he hurried to the home. <laughs> Let me just drop down. And, 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 and let's look at this. So uh, verse 32. When Elisha reached the house where the boy lying dead on his couch. My God. He went in. And he shut the door. And he prayed. <laughs> And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he stretched out on the boy, and nothing happened. And he walked around the room, and he prayed some more. And he stretched out on the boy again, and he prayed. And the boy sneezed seven times, and he got up, and he gave the boy back to his mother. And the mother said, God says, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Come on, go ahead and stand. Everybody stand. Musicians, come. Come on. Now listen, if you, if you leave now, you're going to miss something. Don't this, come on, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting this to a place. It'll be all right. Somebody needs to say, it will be all right. It will be all right. You know what? The lady, listen, stand, stand, stand. Listen to me. I'm not through. I'm just having you stand for the last bit, all right? Come on. She could have wasted time blaming her husband. Come on, what do we do? See, when we're trying, listen, I'm going to help you. When you're in control and you lose control, you do crazy things. I'm going to say that one more time. When you're in control and you lose control, you make big mistakes. What do we do? Well, that, that boy died. So, come on, come on, worship me. So, so, she could have said to her husband, what did you do with him? Don't people do that? She could have said to herself. Why did I let him go? You ever done that? Some people would rather live their life in misery and guilt than admit I'm not in control. She didn't waste time blaming her husband. She didn't waste time blaming herself. She didn't waste time blaming God. See, some of us have gotten hung up on the wrong question. When the chaos came, we always ask the wrong question. I understand the question. It's a normal question. I've asked the question, but you better not let it hang you up. What we always say in that moment is why? Why, God? I hear it every I hear it, I hear it all the time. Why did this happen to me? Why my son? Why my family? See, that that question may not have an answer on this earth. Did you hear what I just said? may not have an answer on this earth. The most important question you ask in a crisis is not why, it's what. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It happened. I can spend the rest of my life, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just being real. This is real. I can spend the rest of my life on pills. I can spend the rest of my life on pills trying to deal with the pain of why. 
I can spend the rest of my life asking why. Why me? And become a victim and let life run you over. Why did my parents leave me? Why was I abused? Man, those are hard things. I'm not underplaying that. Please don't misunderstand me. And all your life, you live under why. Or you could move to one more step and say it happened. But what? What am I going to do? What am I going to do with this boy? What am I going to do with my life? I'm going to lay his body on the, in, the, in the room where God gave me the promise. And I'm not going to stop till I get my arms around the presence of God. She grabbed that man by his feet and said, Elisha, I'm not going to let you go till you come back to that house. I was reading not long ago. I thought about this. That Syrophoenician woman. Sometimes men, we, we got to learn something from some of these women. You know, we, we, we're so worried about, I'm not going to lose face. I'm not going to, you're going to have to respect me. <laughs> you don't know how to get real. This woman ran and grabbed him by the feet and said, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you say. I don't care. I'm going to hold you till you come back. I read about the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus. This is hard stuff. And she said, please, please, you have to raise this boy. He said, he didn't even talk to her. She was on an assignment. It wasn't time yet. Watch this. Here's a revelation. I hadn't planned this. This just came right now for somebody. It wasn't time yet. And it made him appear hard. And he said, he said to her, first, nothing. And then she kept on. He said, is it right for me to give the children's bread to a dog? Gee, that's that's rough. Now, most of us would have got offended at that time. Texted it out. You can't believe what Jesus just said. Here I am laying on the ground in the dirt. You know what she said? But Jesus, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on the floor. My God. My God. You know what he said? It's not your time. And I'm not supposed to do this. But I can't walk away from that faith. Your son's well. Go home and rejoice. You understand what I'm saying? You can live the rest of your life under why, why me, why now, why this, why, 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 why. Or you can say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to go in the house of God. I'm going to grab hold of what I know. Jesus, Jesus. So today, here's what I know. We're building a house like this at Calvary. I know this. And I know that in this house you can find peace where there is no other peace. I know you can find an answer to all the questions that life has beaten you up with. And I feel very strongly about this today. We're going to begin to sing this place, this song. I'm going to make room for you. We're going to invite you in, oh God. For wherever you are, listen to me, quit being religious and churchy. And get hungry and desperate. 
And there are people in this room today, listen to me. You're not walking with God right now, but He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Listen, I'm, I'm opening the doors of this house of faith to you. And I'm saying I want you to be in the family. I'm saying stop living alone out there rejected and angry and bitter, running from God. Are you with me? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.